Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factor Magri, I'm catching up with farmer Roger Darumpel to discuss on-farm sequestration and its importance in order to calculate net on-farm emissions through the Hiwaki Ekanoa program. Roger joins me now. Hello, Roger. Thank you for your time today. No problems, Angus. Pleasure to be here. Roger, please can you tell me a bit about your farm, where you are located and what you farm? Uh, right, so we're we're in the Rangitiki district, um, yep. between uh, which is between Rangit- uh, between Wanganui and, and Manawatu, uh-huh. and we're down on the coast by a farm most people used to know as Flockhouse, um, but we're down on the coast and we run. Uh, it's got quite a large farm, we're a couple of thousand hectares, uh, yep. but over and um, we've got mixed soils running from uh, river silt right the way through to beach sand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're quite diverse um, and we farm everything under there except for dairy cows so we have vegetables through to forestry sheep and beef lambs all sorts of things fantastic how has winter been tracking for you uh it's challenging i'll tell you we don't need our irrigators i can assure you of that (laughs) um it's uh very challenging no we're a bit of a swamp at the moment um in fact the whole farm looks like a duck pond (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah like many We, we don't have a lot of runoff we're, we're close to sea level, so um, mm. yep, no, it's, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge for everyone at the moment. It certainly is. Now, look, Roger, today we're going to talk about on-farm sequestration. And firstly, what did you make of the Hiwaki Kanoa recommendation of the on-farm pricing approach to emissions rather than at the processor level? Uh, well, I'm, I'm 100% in favour of doing it on-farm um, Angus, and so th- so that's a recommendation that uh, the the Iwaka Ekanoa team picked up um, through basic consultation for farmers. But uh, it has to be for us to have uh, achieve um, reduction in global warming, which is what it's all about. Farmers need to know what they're doing, uh, and just having a tax at the processor uh, was nonsense. Um, you know, we want farmers to be responsible for their own emissions um, and they want to they want to see the results for uh, being proactive and making changes mm. and being incentivized too right because not all yeah. farmers are born equal no 100 percent. every every farm in this country is different mm. and uh, there's all sorts of ways to incentivize that and, and everyone's got their own tweaks and twerks as to how they will cope with those um, and manage those incentives and how they'll how they'll put it into their into their farming system so having those incentives as being on farm readily accessible that they are in control of is extremely important. To that end, if we're going to ask farmers to count their emissions, doesn't total on-farm sequestration need to be calculated and recognised in order to arrive at a net figure? Yeah, 100%, um, Angus. You know, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. Like the, the government isn't saying, um, you know, oh, you guys, you don't need to worry about, we won't tax you for your lambs or we won't tax you for your, your yearling cattle. Um, they're capturing every single component of uh, methane that's ex- uh, expressed out through burping um, mm. from our ruminant animals. And for, for them uh, not to allow farmers to do the same, because it's amazing, Mother Nature is extremely good at looking after itself. And mm. um, sequestration is a tool that we have, that farmers use, um, uh, 
with you know capturing that carbon um, with all the plantings that are that have done all the trees um, grass you know that's been stolen from us mm. um, but not having access to sequestration to offset that methane emissions is just is just bonkers mm. um, it's just it's it's not equitable um, you can't you can't tax on one side and not allow, not recognize on the other side mm. uh, so no 100% sequestration has to be taken into account and you know to put, to push that a little bit further Iwakuri can know have come out or the, the, the group have come out with a with an option that we they've we've been pushed into mm. um, in the partnership. And there's certain tools that we can use as farmers um, to combat that. And it's all very well for intensive farmers um, that can manage their grass and and, and control animals uh, with electric wires and there's all sorts of tools you can use there. Um, but extensive farms, they're very limited to what they can do very mm. very limited what they can do they don't they, you know some of these places they can't put a fence and and use electric fences everywhere they can't put a tractor over it and capture grass mm. um they you know they're limited with the tools that they can use to do that to mm. manage their their methane and so you know sequestration is a paramount that the extensive farmers have access to that um, mm. and it's, it's just not equitable for them not to, not to not to be able to use that tool mm. so what areas on farm sequester carbon the climate change commission are leaving out in their recommendations as far as i can work out they're leaving everything out mm. and they're saying it's too hard to capture Mm. Uh, you know what you know if a, a farmer wants to wants to do it's a plus b um plus i minus c which is uh sequest sequestration um farmers can measure that and it's it's all about getting farmers on a on a journey about reducing global warming it's not about a tax but at the moment it's coming across it's just about how much money can we get out of these primary producers um, whereas farmers have to be allowed to get on that journey and to do that they need to be recognized for their sequestration and it's easy enough to do mm. it doesn't matter if it's when we don't have to have a perfect first up like i got on i got on my computer this morning and i use google earth pro and i use it a lot and i measured an area on our farm um, it's 28 hectares that's a huge area, 28 hectares of flax and rapu, which is all native um, uh, indigenous um, uh, planting. But we can't recognize that. We're not allowed to put that into the, to the um, Iwakuri Kanoa um, calculations because they've mm. taken it out. Mm. Um, you know, not only that, but it's an SNA as well. It's a significant natural area. So we're being, we're being taxed on it. We're paying rates on it. Um, we can't use it. And now we being penalised by not being allowed to claim uh, uh, offsets against our methane. It's just yep. bizarre. Yeah, it is. I agree. And of course, there are uh, a number of other tools like Overseer, Toy2, yep. organisations like Carbon Crop that yep. easily map sequestration. And of yep. course, there's a number of international tools and organisations that are already doing it quite easily. So in my mind, the Climate Change Commission have got this completely wrong in saying they can't accurately measure sequestration. It's a cop-out. I'm going to have someone from the Climate Change Commission come on uh, next week, so I'll be certainly putting that to them. But I think you're right. It's fundamentally a tax, and farmers, to me, in their eyes, are just an easy target, aren't they? 100%, Angus. 100%. We are just an easy target. And, you know, what, what's, what I'm really struggling with is our... Um, this country, you know, we're quite unique. Ireland's a bit like us as well. Um, we have a grass-based system. Mm. We are already 
recognized as world leaders for um, low emissions uh, based on the amount of food we produce. And, you know, we're, we're leading the world there, and yet we're being asked to make that next step further, which is, which is fine, but it needs to be equitable. Mm. Um, you know, uh, technology is fantastic. I use a lot of it. Every farmer walks around with a phone. So saying we don't have the tools to manage this uh, is, is bollocks as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm. It's just a cop-out. I agree with you 100%. It's just a cop-out. Um, and it's just a way, and it's turning it into a tax. It's not, it's not allowing farmers to, to capture what should be rightfully and recognised as an offset for their methane, which mm. is a, once again is a short-term gas, you mm. know, which, which, and that's being used as a as an offset for um, carbon dioxide, the long-term gas, um, you know, for um, energy um, uh, in New Zealand. Um, all these things, you know, they're allowed to offset theirs by buying buying our beautiful farmland and planted in trees, and they get a hundred percent offset um, by doing that. But we as farmers um, are not. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, you know, the other thing that really annoys me as well is is I don't know if the left hand's talking to the right hand because here we are trying to look after our fresh water, and there's all the riparian planting being done, mm. and we're not even being recognised for that. Once again, we're paying taxes, we're spending a fortune to put it in, and now we're not allowed to collect, um, uh, we're, not allowed to, we're not allowed to offset it against our emissions. Mm. Uh, you know, is, is the right hand not talking to the left hand? Mm. Surely, surely that would be an incentivization to encourage farms to do more riparian planting if they are going to protect their waterways and offset their greenhouse um, gases. Yeah. You know, it's just not making sense. I agree. And you touched on other industries, for example, big polluters like uh, an airline company. And we know that Air New Zealand buy farms and, and farm carbon to offset their emissions. I mean, that doesn't incentivize change in their practices. They can get away with doing whatever they like. But it's also, it's dumping pollution on farms, isn't it, essentially? 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, the system is bizarre. You know, uh, the government came out and said they were going to take out um, exotic um, trees out of it and they've backtracked they've done a 360 mm. um, which is appalling because we're losing communities we're losing beautiful farmland and it's just not right um, it's not incentivizing those companies at all to fix their own issues yep. um, all they're doing is buying our cheap land and planting it into trees and forgetting about it and it, it just worries me as to what generations in future are going to look back and say what in the world were they doing in the 2020s yeah why in the world did they plant all that beautiful land you know we're ruining our economy here um it's yeah it's 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 just not right what's happening yeah the world needs more food not more pine trees i would have thought and you can't um, eat a pine tree you can't eat a pine tree and of course increases the value of dry land farming properties to a point where it's becoming very, very difficult for particularly young people to get a foot in the door. And of course, you've touched on the social impacts. You only have to look at what happened in places like Gisborne and, and East Cape, how forestry has, has essentially decimated uh, communities in those areas. It's appalling. Yeah, it has. It has. You know, and I'm and I'm involved in another group which is talking about this a lot, Angus. But you know, let's face it, our farms are businesses, um, and you know they're, they're called farms, but they're a business. Mm-hmm. And we produce food 
that's what we manufacture. We manufacture food and we have our cost of them. We have our input costs, the same as what a car manufacturer has. And they, um, if they don't make a profit at the end, they stop producing cars. It's the same as um, someone producing a gate. They have their, their costs, of, costs of making that gate. They've got to buy the steel. They've got to pay for the labor. They've got to pay for the gas. Farms are exactly the same. We've got to pay for our labor, our fertilizer, our rates, um, our infrastructure. So we've got a cost of production. If these taxes, which is greenhouse gas, comes on farmers, we're going to pass that on to the consumer. Mm. Okay? Uh, you know, if we don't pass it on, then our businesses will become unprofitable. And mm. if they become unprofitable, they will go into forestry and we won't be able, we, you know, we're going to lose all of our extensive farms, not all, some, some may survive, but mm. the, the marginal ones, they will, they cannot afford to compete um, with this, with these Air New Zealands, and I pick on Air New Zealand because um, they're an easier, they start with A, um, but <laughs> all, in, all, well, all industry, yeah. Yeah. you know, that, that are trying to, just buying our farmland. Um, and well, Zealand, top of mind. Air New Zealand, they bought a sheep and beef property last week, I think it was, and, and they're going to put it all into, of course, uh, exotic pine trees for for carbon farming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the, the whole the whole thing. And another another thing that annoys me too, Angus, is um, you know we've got a reasonable large area of forestry on this farm, and some of it's pre nineteen ninety, mm. and we can't put that in the ETS. We've had that stolen from us, um, and. Yeah, that's production forestry. We're going to chop that down and we're going to plant it. You know, mm. when it gets chopped down, it's going to go and we're going to store that carbon in someone's house mm. or someone's pallet or whatever. It's going to be stored, but we're going to chop it down and we're going to grow some more trees. Mm. But you're not going to get recognized for it. Mm. So everyone who's in that situation has had that carbon stolen from us. Mm. Um, and it's not right. Mm. Whereas in New Zealand and this, this forestry um, offsetting, by planting these these pine plantations and doing nothing with them and saying that they're offsetting their emissions is just bollocks. Mm. Um, I could use a lot stronger language, but it just does not make sense. It is not economically sensible. It is not for the country. Um, and and I think going forward, I think it's going to be interesting what scientists say going forward. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. But yeah, it's not right. So what other outcomes as a farmer would you like to see in regard to emission pricing? Uh, well, it just needs to be equitable. Yeah. Um, it's, as, it's as simple as that. Like farmers are not here to hide from uh, any anything they need to be fixing. Like, I'm involved in community catchment groups and mm. the activity at that level with farmers when they become educated about something and understand the problem that they, that, that they might be evolving on their farm whether it's greenhouse gases or polluting water or whatever, they jump on board and do everything they can to make a difference. So we're not trying to get out of this, um, uh, but it's just understanding and it makes sure it's equitable. Um, mm. You know, at, at the moment, um, the tools available for extensive farmers uh, is not there. Uh, there's plenty of levers for intensive farmers, for dairy farmers to pull. And when I say um, intensive, I mean, you know, mainly dairy farmers because they're the most intensive livestock farmers we have in the country. There's lots of options they have, but for extensive farmers, the tools are very limited as to what they can do. You know, you can increase lambing percentage, you can increase your growth rates, um, et cetera, et cetera. And you were going to be able to claim in sequestration which is quite widespread on extensive farms, but um, they try to take that office. 
What do you make of the Paris Agreement? Uh, yeah, well, the Paris Agreement's really interesting because, um, you know, it's very clear. As I, as I think I said earlier, um, you know, New Zealand's in a very unique situation with a similar island. We harvest green grass, um, which is, you know, America, Australia, none of these other Europe countries, they don't really do it like we do for, for food production. And the Paris, the Paris Agreement very, very clearly said that any uh, greenhouse gas thing was not to affect food production. But for some reason, our government has totally ignored that. Um, you know, food, food production is the backbone of this country. And, it, and I really struggle, especially when um, our Prime Minister and James Shaw get on the, um, go, to the, go to the world stage and jump on a pedestal and say what, how great we are and, and, and how we're going to tax our food production. And it makes me wonder whether it's about getting uh, recognition from them on the world stage or, and actually, or whether it's actually about um, global, global, reducing global warming. Mm. Um, I really struggle with it. Uh, you know, New Zealand is already recognised as the lowest producer of um, food for carbon. Uh, and yet we, here we are jumping up on the on the world stage to say we can do it better. And yet in the Paris Accord, it says we shouldn't even be going there. Because um, if we don't produce the food, someone overseas is going to produce it. And the carbon footprint will be a lot higher than if it comes out than compared to out of New Zealand. So, yeah, I struggle. Through these uh, recommendations and essentially this tax, uh, which it is in essence, are we yep. putting a significant part of New Zealand's economy at risk? Hundred percent, we are. Mm. <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting, like, we used to survive. I think New Zealand used to um, uh, export forty billion dollars worth of uh, produce. I think we've hit fifty this year, haven't we? Clapped mm. our hands and we've done mm. fifty billion. And you know, and and uh, tourism was bringing in forty billion. I think before COVID. Now, you know, one day that's going to start, but I tell you, it's a long way away. Because when I drive around this country or try and get accommodation around this country, half of our motels, in fact, over half, it looks like to me whenever I try and get it, are full of um, people that can't get a home. Mm. So I'm not quite sure where our tourists are going to arrive and where they're going to stay. Uh, so to me, um, greenhouse gases are hitting exactly the, the blood, lifeblood of this country, which is agriculture, mm. and we can't afford it. And, you know, I can't emphasize enough that we're running a business and if our input costs go up, we will pass that on or we will go out of business. And so that uh, cost and everyone's complaining about the cost of living at the moment. It is going to go up uh, as a result of greenhouse gas taxes on farming. There's no doubt about that. There's basic 101 um, in business. Mm. Roger, thank you very, very much for your time today. It's been enjoyable, Angus. I've done a lot of work with Hiwakekanoa over the last year or so, and under the system recommended by Hiwakekanoa, on-farm sequestration can be used by farmers to offset the cost of emissions. The aim is to reward as much genuine on-farm sequestration as possible, while ensuring the system is scientifically robust and not overly complicated or admin-heavy. The recommendation from Hiwakekanoa on sequestration is that Sequestration must be new or additional to what would have occurred under business as usual practices. Well, the baseline for this is 2008 when aerial and satellite mapping became readily available, making it easier to verify planting. However, vegetation established between 1990 and 2008 has been included if adequate evidence is provided. 
A wider range of vegetation not currently eligible under the ETS will be recognised. For vegetation that's eligible under the ETS, farmers will be able to choose whether to enter that vegetation in the ETS or the Hiwaki Ekanoa system. Now they can't register the same area of vegetation into both schemes. To recognise more sequestration than the ETS, the process will be made easier for farmers to register their sequestration. To reflect the lower burden of proof, the value rewarded for Hiwaki Kanoa sequestration is likely to be lower than what would be eligible within the ETS. All recognised vegetation will need to be maintained or a liability will apply if they are cleared and not replanted because when vegetation is removed it becomes a source of emissions. Other sequestration categories such as wool, pasture, tussock grasslands, wetlands and soil carbon are not currently included for reasons such as lack of agreed science but in my view that will and should change in the future. The Climate Change Commission suggested that the non-ETS sequestration included in the Hiwaka Ekanoa proposal could receive recognition through a separate system which could recognise and reward a wide range of benefits such as biodiversity and water quality. Their reasons and view for proposing this were that bringing this on-farm vegetation into a farm-level emissions pricing system adds complexity. It creates inequity between farmers and other sectors that are not able to get their similar sequestration recognised. Regional councils, for example, and it could reduce the incentives on farmers to reduce their emissions. Now, when the Climate Change Commission says bringing in on-farm vegetation into the farm-level pricing system adds complexity, they are wrong, in my view, as there are organisations and tools like Carbon Crop and Overseer that measure emissions and sequestration to detailed levels. There are also many international organisations measuring the same thing. You can't measure on-farm emissions without calculating and recognising total on-farm sequestration. Is the Climate Change Commission and indeed the government worried that farmers are already carbon neutral or carbon positive in this country? Farmers want better environment outcomes, but there has to be a fair and equitable system and sequestration proposed by Hiwaki Ekanoa provides that. We are risking a significant part of our economy by continuing to turn the screws on New Zealand farmers. Furthermore, do we in this country in 100 years time want to see all of New Zealand's good productive farmland in permanent forestry to offset emissions created by big emitters like airline and fuel companies, resulting in bringing our primary industry to its knees and killing off rural communities and the rural landscape? This is what is at risk here. That's all for me this week. Next week on the show, I have ecologist Dr. Adam Forbes join me to continue the sequestration conversation. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.